Welcome to Formula Weekend podcast number 11. On this podcast, we'll chat Coventry, Hull, Norwich and Leeds United games. You'll also hear our chat with goalkeeper coach Alec Chamberlain and assistant manager Sean Dyche, who makes this loud noise. You'll hear our song for Martin Taylor and also what happened to Phil Brown when he entered the I'm a Stupid Football Manager, Get Me Out of Here jungle. And you can hear Mike's chat to England fast bowler and Watford fan Stephen Finn. But who is he talking about? When he says this. He's fancied himself with a few long shots, but I reckon he's only ever scored one as well. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. From the Rookery End. So welcome to From the Rookery End. This is our April to May 2011 podcast. You join us in the Railway Arms pub as, as normal, opposite Bushy Train Station. My name is John and with me is Mike. Hi. And returning after missing podcast 10 because he was on a stag do in Prague is Jason. I'm back and Robo Jason has been put back in the loft with my dad's old Betamax machine. No, well, we, we, we will miss him. No, it's just a shame. I quite liked his little input. It was made... He was a lot better to look at than uh, the real days. <laughs> We're three lifelong Watford supporters, season ticket holders in the rookery end, and this is our take on what life is like following Watford Football Club. On this month's podcast, you can hear our interview with Sean Dyche and Alec Chamberlain, or two former players who are now an integral part of, of Malky's setup. We speak to a cricketer, it is that time of year, mm. so we speak to England cricketer and Watford fan Stephen Finn. We have a song for Martin Taylor that we, it's a bit of an ad hoc one, wasn't it, John? We sort of came up with it on the way to the Cardiff away game whilst driving over to Seven Bridge. It was, we've been thinking about it and we've slowly put it into our own way of celebrating what is a fantastic player for Watford this season. And of course, Mr Phil Brown is taken in by his weakness in the I'm a stupid football manager, get me out of here jungle. So it is the business end of the season, lads. Shall we get on with their business? I think we should. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. We get lots of emails sent to us on podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Thank you very much for for not only spending the time to listen, but also spend the time to send us an email. And we got a, a particularly interesting one, uh, which I thought might share with you guys, from Nick Young. He says, hi, guys. Uh, in light Hello, of Nick, the, as well. Uh, yeah, hi, Nick. Hi. Hi, Nick. In light of the Norwich game, in which some of the players were decidedly off the boil, Eustace Doyley, mm. and the team as a whole looked frankly knackered with 15 minutes to go, I reckon we'll end the season with a whimper rather than a bang. That said, a mid-table finish would be considered a success as we were tipped for relegation when the season started. Keep up the good work, Nick. Well, thanks for getting in touch, Nick. Lovely to hear from you. <laughs> Absolutely. Consider this our response. Jason, have you, have you seen the knackered players I, I, I think, yes, I think there are some tired legs out there, but I, I'm not sure that's what has contributed to the finish to the Norwich game. I thought that was all about momentum. Mm-hmm. We could have gone 3-1 up, yeah, Danny. Danny had that chance at that off after Dini's header across goal, tapping. Yeah, couldn't quite make the contact he needed to put the ball in the back of the net. They then respond to that. Norwich react to that. Realise they've got away with one. Go up and score, and then it's the momentum's with them, and it's all about them trying to get a winner. And we are hanging on for dear life to get the point, which we did. And and I think if we were that knackered. We probably wouldn't have hung on, but we did. There is some tiredness there after a long season, but I don't think that contributed to the Norwich result. There's still, I mean, that Norwich game, there's still five games to go, and that's, well, that's not loads of games, obviously. It is a proportion of the season. I wouldn't expect teams to be running completely out of steam come that point. Whether, whether I think that that game was the real full stop to our playoff hopes, wasn't it, really? That, mm. If we're honest, if we're you know, looking at it in black and white, 
that was probably if we'd won that we'd still be in the shout but I think they probably came to came an end there so perhaps you can might be able to call into question motivation whether they're still quite so fired up to go out but I would personally I wouldn't well you, you definitely couldn't question the motivation of Norwich because oh good grief no. um, they, they, substitutions early on let's go 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 and in, in many ways we stopped you know they didn't they could easily have had many chances some great defending and great saves from, from Loach that we almost you know they, they, they made their three substitutions fairly early on I'd probably want to say before the hour mark and put on some three very attacking players because they, they, you know, they're, they're, they're lose or die. Talking of substitutions, it's one of the great unsolved footballing mysteries how Grant Holt can survive 90 minutes of football. <laughs> why does he, why does he in, insist on playing football wearing a fat suit? <laughs> Take the suit off, Grant Holt, and you'll be a much better player. What do you think, Jason, is that motivation in the Watford players now? I think they're still enjoying playing their football. I know that they... They like playing for Malky and the management team. It's a bit of a cliche, but they are young, hungry footballers, and they still they enjoy playing. I mean, you look at the um, celebrations for the goals for the Leeds game. We'll yeah. talk about that a bit yeah. more later. But when those goals are going in, the guys are are off and running and heading for the away fans, celebrating. They're, they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, they're professionals they? as well. I think everywhere on the park, you've got people yeah. who are still. First and foremost, this is a team that was written off. Oh, by yeah. everyone outside Watford and probably a lot of people inside Watford so every point that they get is another sort of you know it's another feather in their cap another chance them to say yeah, actually stick their chest out and say see so uh, I almost swore then <laughs> so I didn't I ran myself in but you know and so a, as a team they've got a, still got a lot to prove every win every point they get especially places like Leeds not an easy place to go for anyone and all, and all over the pitch, Danny Graham's got goal targets to go for. Marvin Sordell's had a wonderful wonderful season. The more he gets, the, the better a player he's going to be next year. Got a couple of people out on well, on loan, Byman, Drinkwater, people like that. They've got a lot to prove. They'll be playing for contracts at their parent club. Defensively, we'll be wanting to tighten up. We haven't kept many clean sheets this year, so the likes of Taylor and Mariapa and Loach, Lloyd... They'll all be wanting to, you know, get another couple of clean sheets on the board. So there's, there's plenty of. It, come, it comes down to being personal professional motivation, progress. professional motivation, I suppose, it's at this point, rather than it being, hey, we're motivated as a team to and do if, something. I don't care if it's the last game of the season or, and then we've got nothing to play for. If a team doesn't turn up and play well, then I'd be, I'd be disappointed, and I'd like to think that the players would be too. So I think there's definitely going to be a bit of a tipping point if, if mm. a bit of disappointment didn't creep in that when it became apparent we weren't going to make the playoffs I think they, they wouldn't be human but they're professional they're fit so they shouldn't be tired and they should still be motivated they're paid to do a job at the end of the day they're there to entertain us but what we go along to watch them you know they wouldn't be there for it if it wasn't for us so they can't be on their holidays I know it's on Twitter though D- uh, oh, Darius, Henderson. Darius Henderson that's horrendous go on Mike, I think that. it was the day that Sheffield United announced their season ticket prices and were offered all the usual early bird exclusive pay now and obviously Sheffield United look like they're going to get relegated the very same day Darius Henderson puts on Twitter how much he's looking forward to his holiday <laughs> and do you know what I mean I mean how it's pathetic isn't it talk about yeah I mean that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's misguided I would say rather than pathetic he probably is looking forward to his holiday, yeah. but, yeah, I'm but sure. it was a bit silly of him to put that on Twitter. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're responsible to us. Then they have a job to do, and that is to, to get out there and play football. Well. Yeah, so should we get your fat little rant box yeah. there and Sorry. back on the pub bar stool? <laughs> and I do agree with uh, Mike when talking about having a job to do. You look towards the end of the season, I think that last game of the season when Preston are going, 
we could have a big say in who goes up and who goes down. Yeah. But would you want to be the bad guy? Definitely. I love sporting. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I remember, I remember when we beat Bristol City at Vicarage Road many years ago, and it, and it was the game that put them down, and I loved it. <laughs> God, Jason, we're seeing a really Sorry. cold side. <laughs> Sorry. You've yeah, changed since you I got know. back from Prague. <laughs> <laughs> facebook.com forward slash rookery end I think we ought to have a quick recap of the games that have taken place since the last podcast we've had two away and two at home nice symmetry there <laughs> well, good, the good thing is one good thing about that is that this time last year I think we played Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday we've actually squad have had a bit of bit of time yeah. in between games a bit of time to play uh, FIFA on the, the Xbox <laughs> and get down to Nando's for a uh, bit of period period <laughs> but we had Coventry away Lost 2-0. Mm. Home to Hull, lost 2-1. Mm. And then we've had the two sort of the better games against Norwich and Leeds, which both ended in two tour draws. Mm. For me, the ones that stick out are obviously the Norwich and Leeds games. They were entertaining. I thought they were brilliant. There, mm. was, there was goals, there was atmosphere, there was, there was talking points, despite our season really being over. And um, just really entertaining. Obviously, we didn't win, but I came away, certainly came away from the Norwich game. You know, talking about the game in, in fairly high spirits, really. It was uh... well, the 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 whole game and the comp and the Norwich game. You know, that was us being behind for for a certain period of that game. And I I certainly like the the continual drive to score and go forward. This game wasn't over, yeah, uh, until um, the whistle went with the whole game. And then the Norwich game as well. The fact is that even one nil down, we went. Two one up, yeah. and we kept the battle. Really kept battling to the end, and it's like that we played a ninety-minute game. Yeah. Probably another proof that we're not a knackered team. And but, and that sort of we have seen. I think we've seen drive and determination mm. from Watford all season, and I don't think they can just turn that off. Well, two, two of those games, those two draws, they are two draws at the end of the game, but they're two games where we were behind. Yeah. And uh, which, we came which back. historically we haven't dealt with very well this year at all. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, the Coventry game, we haven't talked about that. Clearly, it was a bit of a write-off. Although yeah. even then, I think we had a chance to uh, to equalise before they went up the other end and got their, yeah. their second decisive goal. Hull was a, a game of missed chances, missed opportunities, and of course, whilst we're chasing the game, they go and get a second before mm. we pull one back. Um, and yeah, the Norwich and Leeds games were entertaining, and and you look at them before the game face value, they are good points against two yeah. teams up and around the promotion places playoffs. Yeah, but in the context of the season. It, it's just not what we needed. It was it, unfortunate. I mean, it's good that we're talking about these teams because, as we said, the start of the season, we were fearing a, a tough season. Um, but to be so close to the playoffs mm. and just sort of have it snatched away with those results over the last few games, it's. So you're saying being involved slightly in. Slightly disappointing, is it? I know John doesn't like being involved in. Well, I know you doesn't like being involved in playoffs, is it, Mike? But well, um, it'd been great to have been up there and it's just. Oh, 
a little bit frustrating. It's, a, it's being involved in entertaining games, though, not a, not mm. a mitigating. Does it not make you feel better? Oh, it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I still sort of went, uh, sort of. But, you you know. go away from Norwich and Leeds thinking. What great games they were. A bit like the Cardiff one where we lost 4 2. Yeah, we, we were there. And what a great game that was. Yeah, we it didn't that. feel like a defeat. But two, two points out of 12 two, there yeah, doesn't but, feel like two points out of 12. No, but if, yeah. if you told me that Watford got two points out of 12, I would have gone, oh. Yeah. But actually, it doesn't feel like that. No, it feels it like. But it, but it is, unfortunately, yeah, if, if, you, if you keep getting two points out of 12 throughout the season, you, you, we're going to be down with the Sheffield United and you get the boys we wanted to go on holiday. Exactly. They'll be looking forward to their holiday in February. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, and, and the guy and it's yeah, the guys have, have done well. You see, they're still trying their hardest. When you're two one up with two minutes to go, or, or two know? one up in a Norwich game and a chance to, to to win that, it's just there is that little bit in the back of my mind that's going, oh, if only we'd won those. Who knows where we could have been? Do you think, Jace, that that and John? I'll ask your opinion as well. <laughs> John was having a drink of a bit of his drink at the time, so I thought I'd let him off. But um, those four games almost encapsulate. The Watford season, don't they? They've been no. There's no highs in there. Well, no. Well, at least one massive win of a big club. But there've been somewhere. mini highs. There've been some good goals. Sort of like the comeback against Norwich was yeah. quite sort of tumultuous, and the, hmm. the the goal was good, wasn't it? And and it, there was some there were some nice moments. Lee Hodson's goal away against Leeds. It's been entertaining. We've I mean we've scored five goals. And we've had different uh, goal scorers score them, which is good because that's, I think that's been constant throughout the season. While Danny Graham's obviously been the um, the standout for in terms of individual goal getting, they have actually been shared around the team quite a bit. So in that, just in that four game period, we've seen goals from Martin Taylor, Danny Graham, Don Carey, Lee Hodson, and Andy Ryman. So sped around, that's good. Mm. So we scored five, but we've also let eight in. Mm. So we've been involved in some decent games. We've scored some goals from different areas on the park, but. And the bigger but is that we've let... And that's where the consistency is with the rest of the season. We know we're going to concede goals. We've been doing it all season and and it's there again. And you look back over the the course of the season and it's the goals, you know, and they're preventable. A lot of the goals that we've let in, there have been mistakes. Um, And that's the difference, I think, JC, you were talking about we're not involved in the playoffs. That's the difference. That's why we're not. And even up, you know, up until the whole Norwich game, unbelievably, we were still in with a shout. And had we managed to manage to sort of eradicate silly mistakes, we could be, you know, we could have been in the playoffs. Turn those two, turn those two points into six, we'd be in there. So that's what I mean by, by about it encapsulating our season. Just haven't, apart from that one run where we won every, every game and we won seven in a row. Was it seven in a row? Mm, we won. Mm. There hasn't been. I mean, we've been consistently entertaining. I think, apart from a few notable exceptions. And that's um, a good place to be, Mike. Yeah, I'll go along with that. From the rookery end. So, uh, while Mike's in the loo, Jason, shall we uh, his interview with Stephen Finn out of the way? We shall. Well, yes, whilst he's, whilst he's in there, we can reveal he's a bit of a, a, a cricketing fan. Yes. Well, uh, it's, it's, and it's kind of good. I like, I like cricket fans. You're a cricket fan. I am. I am. I, I'm a you know, classic follower of cricket, but I love the timing of it. Football fit season's finishing, on comes a cricket, almost like they're partners in a, a year long sporting joint. Mike got up with him in Cambridge a few weeks ago, uh, the same day that Watford played at home to Hull. Mike got to know a little bit about Steve and his life as a Watford football fan. Steve, can you remember your first Watford game? Yeah, I can actually. It was uh, We beat Grimsby 6-3 at Vicarage Road. I sat in the old family stand, the one that's knocked down now. Yeah. Um, sat at the top of that, yeah, and watched us beat, beat Grimsby 6-3, I think. Ramage scored and Phillips scored, so yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember that. Was well, Connolly playing in that game as yeah, well? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. I think that game was quite famous, wasn't there? Some sort of pitch invasion afterwards. About the potentially, I I can't really remember because I think I was only 
six or seven years old. So fair to say you weren't involved? No, I wasn't involved, no. So obviously you've been away with, uh, with England over the summer. We, that's probably been covered elsewhere. Were you able to uh, keep in touch with Watford while you were out there? Yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, lots of the lads sport teams in the championships. You've got Bresden who supports Leeds. You've got... Which is um, a terrible shame. Yeah. <laughs> Anderson supports Burnley. Broad supports Nottingham Forest. So we did keep tabs on the championship, yeah. And, and Watford had a few good runs and yeah it was it was good to keep a track of whilst we were out in Australia do you think you're going to manage to get to Vicarage Road before the end of the I season don't know. I don't I enjoy going down there but it's just I'm quite limited as to when I can get down there because of cricket commitments obviously. of course and you took, you took Ian Morgan to the last game yes yeah I took Owen there he, uh, Sorry. he yeah he, he loved it terrible game yeah dreadful game and the thing is the pitch it didn't really the pitch didn't really it's not conducive to good football in the middle of the park is it it's a bit it's a bit bobbly. So two of the biggest, most sort of loved uh, Watford players by Watford fans are Danny Graham and Lloyd Doyley. Yeah. Who are the, who's the Danny Graham and Lloyd Doyley of the England setup? I'm backing myself. I reckon I'm the Danny Graham because <laughs> I bang in goals for fun for uh, in the warm-ups when we play football. What's um, if if uh, if Graham Swan got to hear this podcast, what would he tweet about that? Do you reckon? Um, he probably. Well, to be fair, we're not allowed to play football when we're away with England, but okay. I'm sure he'd have something to say about me being uncoordinated and, and gangly and not able to, to do it. More of a Peter Crouch, I reckon, he, he thinks I am, but no, I'm backing myself. <laughs> Quick feet, yeah. Good. Lloyd Doyley, it'd be Lloyd Doyley. I reckon... Got to think carefully on this one, I guess. Yeah, I reckon it'd be... I reckon Strauss, Strauss, yeah, Strauss fancied himself with a few long shots, but I reckon he's only ever scored one as well. So he's quite, so he's quite defensive. Yeah, he is, yeah. Very one-sided. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. And your favourite moment as a Watford fan? Favourite moment as a Watford fan was Wembley, when Nick Wright scored the overhead goal. I was there in the corner at Wembley, cheering it on when we got promoted in 99, was it? Yeah. Was it 99? It was. When yeah, when he scored that famous overhead kick and... And the celebrations after that were great, even though I was only 10 or 11 years old. It was fantastic. Can you compare, Steve, for example, when you're watching Watford and the goal goes in, obviously you're delighted. Do you, do you see it more as a professional sportsman or a fan? Can you, can you understand how, say, Danny Graham scored? Do you understand how he feels yeah, when you take a wicket? Sort yeah, of thing, yeah definitely. It's, it's a feeling of euphoria and, and yeah, you, sometimes you just do silly things. Sometimes, a lot of the time, you don't know what to do when you've taken a wicket <laughs> or, or, or supposed to score a goal. So, yeah, you know... It's a, it's a feeling of euphoria, it's a great buzz and it's something that, that makes you want to keep playing and spurs you on to keep playing and, and achieve more things. So hopefully a lot of Watford fans are going to be watching you in action for Middlesex, probably more for England over the so. summer. Can we expect to see any sort of Watford-based celebrations when you take the uh, inevitable wickets? I don't know, we'll have to see. Maybe people should send me, send me some ideas on Twitter and then I'll be able to... And then I'll be able to filter them out and see if there's any good good suggestions what's your uh, twitter at finny steve f-i-double-n-y steve it sounds a bit like a sort of some sort of mc but <laughs> it's f-i-double-n-y steve at finny steve get involved tell him what to, how to celebrate and you heard it from the man himself he'll do it steve thank you very much for joining us pleasure. it's been a pleasure and uh, we look forward to watching you during the summer from the rookery end so by now you've realized i've returned safely from prague we're we'll grateful for that yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know. Robo Jace, Robo Jace yeah, Robo Jace is back in his uh, back in his cupboard, and the real Jace is back with you. Talk about another debut goal. Now, I believe my replacement yes. uh, was waxing lyrical about Adam Thompson's goal and his celebration. Yeah, it wasn't the best celebration. For the goal no, against, he was annoyed uh, that Adam Graham ran off with his tongue out, <laughs> which I think was a bit hard. A bit like a, well, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't uh, wasn't classy. All right, I'll give you but, that. But thankfully, we, we saw another debut goal from another right-back in Watford Colours uh, recently. 
Uh, Ellen Rose, Lee Hudson, yes. rose like a salmon uh, <laughs> and uh, nodded the ball past uh, a great goalkeeping name, uh, Schmeichel, of the Casper variety. He had a couple of seconds to think about it, but boy, then did he run. Yeah, he All the way to the away corner, arm in the air, sort of Superman-like. Yes. <laughs> he just gave it some proper hammer, didn't he? He was straight into He knew what he was doing. He was straight... He roared into the away corner, didn't he? <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. I was a bit worried with all that momentum where he was going to end up, but uh, I think he managed to stop in time. He put the brakes on just in time, but yeah, he went. Oh, it wasn't. It was an absolute joy to see. But uh, boy, he's, he's done well with Watford. He's he's really come through the ranks in the last couple of years. Had a bit of stick this year. Let's yeah, be let's yeah, be fair. Yeah. Some of our fellow fans have been a bit a bit tough on Lee, but I think the last couple of games, last six weeks or so, he's done really well. And then to cap it with a goal, and that just release of. Happy. It was, he was just so happy and so sort of... Um, he was just delighted, wasn't he? It, he goes was just... back, it goes back to the fact that we're saying that all the Watford players are playing football because they love playing football and they're just having a lot of fun out on that pitch. Yeah. I mean, it was just clear to see, wasn't it? It just meant the world to him and just to see him celebrating with such sort of... There was fire in it, wasn't there? He was just, oh, absolutely. I he think meant it. It, he it, meant took it. A, it took a while for the rest of, the, uh, rest of his teammates to catch up. Really good. And it's, it's one where you feel... There's been a lot of moments this year when you feel at one with this Watford team, you know, when they're... Or either backs against the wall and they're defending well, or they're putting on good performances away at away at Millwall. It's good you, you feel a part of it, and that was another real moment of uh, of having a real bit of empathy with this Watford team. It's yeah, just, it's great. And I think you can see they feel the same way about us fans a little bit. The fact that yeah, he turned towards the the away he the away exactly corner. It's quite to. difficult to find the away fans at Ellen Road tucked in that <laughs> little corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he certainly knew where he was going. Yeah, he knew. Yeah, and he and he meant it. And wasn't it nice to see it? Uh, but the, the, the reason I like it is because I think that's exactly how I'd said Ray. Probably would have thrown in a cartwheel. But... <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you got to score first. <laughs> a podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. From the rookery end. How are you? I'm Watford's tallest player, Martin Taylor. And I'm Danny Graham. And I like vests. Yeah, OK, Danny, we've all seen your vests. This is I'm a stupid football manager. Get me out of here! Today's bush tucker trial is being taken by a man who is brown by name, orange by nature. It's Preston boss Phil Brown. How are Mr. Orange? Uh, how are Mr. Brown? How are yourselves, boys? How good is this sunshine? People say it's tough in this jungle, but I'm topping up my tan naturally. Uh, yes, Mr Brown, everyone in football has noticed your tan. In fact, it's the subject of your trial today. It's called Take It Like a Tan. Sounds great. I do love my tan. Yeah, we know. By the way, have you ever been approached by Tango to be in their advert? Later, Danny, later. Now, we are currently hanging you by your ankles from a crane. You are ten feet above a vat of fake tan. We're going to lower you down, and all you need to do is fish out as many stars as you can. Every star you earn will get you five minutes on a sunbed when you get back to England. Boys, this is what I call a win-win situation. Whatever happens, I'll be ready for that tango advert. Danny, it was a top idea. I'm getting my agent on it now. Thank you, Mr Orange. Sorry, Brown. Anyway, away you go. 
Okay, he's in the fake tan. Oh, he's thrashing about a lot. He must be trying really hard to find those stars. Oh, there's one star thrown out. Oh, and two stars. Oh, this is all tense, isn't it? In fact, he's, he's, gone, he's gone quite tense and, and, and stiff. And, and, and he's stopped moving. Oh, Martin. Oh, I think we've done it again. Yeah, okay, okay, Danny. Uh, I read. Uh, that's all we got time for. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next time on I'm a Stupid Football Manager. Get, Get me, me out, out of here! From the rookery end. So, Saturday, the 30th of April when Watford are playing QPR we're going to make it we're nominating it shall we say for wear a vest for Danny Day it's our way of celebrating a wonderful season as Watford fans and just say a little thank you for Danny for all his wonderful his phenomenal number of goals he scored this season and maybe just say thanks all the boys in the team we've been inspired by Danny's goal scoring celebrations first the one against Portsmouth at home when he showed a vest saying Watford table tennis champion 2010-2011 get over it lads I think he enjoyed that little victory there yeah. and of course there was a hard fought 1-0 victory at home to Mirwell where he scored the only goal of the game uh, where he revealed get well soon McGinn of course Steve McGinn out with a leg injury at the moment well I like the fact that Danny has harnessed the power of the vest to uh, express himself in different ways and this is another way for us to express ourselves to the teams all we're saying is get yourself a white sleeveless vest a marker pen write your own special message for Danny or your favourite Watford player on it and wear it above your Watford shirt on the day. We met up with the big man the other day at the training ground for ahead of our end of season podcast, which you'll hear him in the next one. And he was very much well up for it. And if you go onto the blog at formthebookend.com, you can see a fantastic photo, which just proves what a good chap he is and how up for a laugh the man is. He gave us a specially signed vest, exclusive. No one else has a Danny Graham signed vest, but we've got one to win. So, I guess you want to know how you're going to win it then. All you need to do... Take a photo of yourself in the vest and send it to us at podcast at fromtherookeryend.com or post it on our Facebook wall, facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. All entries will be drawn at random from all entries received on all platforms and the draw will take place on Friday the 6th of May. That's Friday the 6th of May, so get them in, guys. It is a bit silly, but it's going to be a good laugh and I think it's a nice little way to, to mark the end of a season. If you're up for it, brilliant. If you're not... Make sure you're giving a big round of applause to Danny because I'm sure he'll be getting the uh, Player of the Year award at the game. You'd think so, wouldn't you? And he's going to score as well because he's told us. Oh, yes, he is. Guaranteed. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. So we've spoken to a lot of players this year, haven't we, John? And a good, good bunch of fellas, I think. There's no egos in this Watford team. There aren't, there aren't. But I think it's about time we sort of uh, had a chat with the guys... Behind the fellas, so and to speak. And not just the, the guys behind the fellas, they were fellas themselves <laughs> at Watford. Both former Watford players, now key men in Malky's manager office. We had a chat with Sean Dyche, assistant manager, and also Alec Chamberlain, who's a goalkeeping coach, to find out a little bit more about their role as a coach. Because I don't, you know, a coach is just the guy who stands behind the manager and helps out the substitutions when you look at a game. That's all they are, really. Yes, and he's the guy that sits on the bench and goes, yes, boss, yes, boss. And, uh, and <laughs> just, just to make the manager feel good about himself. <laughs> yeah, Isn't he? 
So we had a chat to them about their lives as Watford coaches, but first we had to get over an important introduction. One thing, when we do a, a podcast, the important thing is we have to establish whose people's voices are because they can't see our faces. Okay. We always say, hello, my name's John, and I say, hello, Mike. Hi. Hi. And I say, hello, Jason. Hello. And then we all introduced him to guests. So we introduced, hello, Alec. Hello there. And then, hello, Sean. Hello. Quite distinctively know which one is going to be Sean. That's a, a heck of a voice. Is that after years of shouting? Um, football? No, slightly, slightly, it's a genetic thing. My dad's just sound very much like my dad. Um, you know, charming, handsome, debonair. Yeah. So it just ro- rolls in with them, really. <laughs> My whispers are shout. Do you put it on your CV, your voice? Of course, extra loud voice. Yeah. It's always a winner. Extra loud hand claps, extra loud everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you pride yourself on your hand clap? <laughs> yes. Very good hand clap. Annoying loud hand clap after a while when I keep it going for about two minutes. <laughs> Probably so, has a desired effect though. Yeah, well, it's good banter for the lads and I enjoy it. At what point did you know you wanted to be coaches and not go off and run a pub when you stopped playing? I kind of, I, I almost, it was like a transition for me from playing, Kevin Hitchcock leaving, mm. almost, I fell into the role really, you know, like, like I fell into football in the first place. So good timing, being in the right place at the right time, I suppose. And obviously, when I actually finished, stop, uh, completely stopped playing, it was probably a year of doing the job before I really, really enjoyed it, if I'm absolutely honest, because I think it's, you probably still think like a player for a, for a little while before you actually start thinking properly like a coach. So I'm fully ingrained into it now and I enjoy it. And if, if I'm totally honest, and obviously I'm 40, whatever, I wouldn't want to go back to playing anyway. I, I certainly realise I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And I don't miss playing now, I'm really comfortable doing what I'm doing. I had an eye for it probably quite early on, working under a manager called John Duncan who opened my eyes to the tactical side and made me think more about the tactical side and you know, took a liking to it. And then by the time I was about 30, I'd already taken my B licence at Millwall and so I was on that journey, if you like. And I think as you get older, when you're a player, as long as the manager trusts you, they, they allow you in a bit. So they give you a bit of an insight and you know, they allow you your opinion a bit, a bit more freely. So, you know, I was I was already getting a feel for it as I was coming towards the end of my career. And then, you know, very fortunately, really, because it's it's hard to go in at the level I did at Watford, which is with the under-18s, because obviously jobs are few and far between. So a lucky kind of twist of fate through AD and David Dodds at the time, who was academy manager, kind of, you know, brought me back to the club. And so I'm very thankful to AD and, and David Dodds for that. Um, and it's allowed me the chance to build on that and get to where we've got to now. I mean, Sean, would you look at management in the long term then? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's just, uh, you know, I've had a nice progression here really coming in with the under 18s and at the time Dick Bates here as well working with David Dodds so they were great two great people to learn from then working under 80 then Brendan came along and I was kind of then taking the reserves as well as the youth team and then obviously Melky came in took the job on a full-time basis then he upgraded me to assistance I've had a nice little journey through that really you know it's 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 a good position to be in for me at the moment I like working the staff are great The, the players are you know there's a real good feeling about them and me and Malky got on very well and he's very open and very honest and allows me my opinion. Some, sometimes probably I give too much opinion. but <laughs> So I'm not in a rush to do it, but I think that inevitably down the line I would, I would look at being a manager some, at some point. Um, but I'm not, I'm not at the moment thinking of running away from what we're doing here. How does, how does it all feed together? Like you say, Malky, you, know, you, you talk to him, is there, do you have like a meeting on a Monday where you talk about things? Is there, sort of, is, there, is there a structure to it or is it a bit more like informal? No, there's a structure. We have a meeting every single morning. We'll get a feel of who's fit, first of all, from the medical team. 
then we'll sit around a table, all, all staff included, that's uh, Joe McBride, the youth team coach, the science people, obviously uh, Chainbo, um, myself, Kurz, Malky. Ian Moody, who's head of, sort of football operations, so we'll all sit there. Logistics. Yeah, logistics. Yeah, uh, Will Jones, who does you know our kit and stuff for logistics, he's he's invaluable to make sure that everything's planned. And we like everything. You know, we believe, or Malky certainly has led the idea of a no excuse environment. So we try and do every single thing we possibly can for the players within reason. Obviously, I've been enticed to do other things, but I've, I haven't got involved with that. Um, but we try and do everything for them. Give them a chance to just go out and play. Um, so the meetings in the morning are made, making sure that everything's planned, everything's structured, everything's processed, ready for that event. Whether it be training, games, whatever's needed. It might be an event in the evening where everyone's got to turn up or whatever. We all know what everyone's doing. And it's a nice open forum. People can say what they believe. Malky's good like that. He's very open to opinion. You know, not scared of opinion. So it's worked very well for us. So Alec, as a goalkeeping coach then, do you have much influence on the other areas of the game? I'm fortunate in this because uh, I think that most clubs the answer would be no. It started under AD where uh, we were given specific jobs to do while the game was going on, so I would look at uh, the opposition's strengths, which obviously, because then you're looking at the defensive part of the team, you know, as the goalkeeper, you can actually see what they're trying to do. And, and that's moved on a stage further now. So I'm now on the mic now with, with Sean. We kind of chat continually through the game as to, you know, what, what he's seeing and whether I'm seeing it the same way or because sometimes you can see the distances and things like that upstairs a little bit easier than you can from ground level. So just things like that, really. And then at half-time, we all have a little say. Malky makes notes, and obviously he's got his own ideas, and he goes, and deliver, he goes then to deliver to the team. So it's quite a unique situation where I'm very fortunate to have kind of some sort of input. And I, I recognise that it's uh, ultimately... that down to these guys to make the big decisions but um, it's nice to feel that your opinion actually is counted. Where do you have those half-time meetings? If the players are in, walking, you, don't, you don't have it in the, uh, in the tunnel, do you? No, in the bathroom. In the bathroom. No, away, well, away, we'll go in the shower room or, or some kind of, there's always some kind of little, you know, area. Um, at home, obviously, we go in the manager's room which right. is opposite the changing room anyway, so it's easy enough. Yeah. yeah, it's quite well, a conflap. <laughs> so in the old days, the manager used to come in, slam the door, get stuck into the players, you know, one way or the other. And now I think the idea is to sort of take that, that trying to give it two a process. Minutes, it? Yeah, yeah. Also, they, they, you go, you give them, the, they walk in that, that door. They're all there together. That's right. like they need their four or five minutes yeah, to start yeah. thrashing it out. Well, also other, calm down well, a little or, or just calm yeah, down, yeah, yeah, yeah clear bit. heads, yeah. You know, because it's very hard to think with the emotion of it, and the idea mm. is to take that emotion away or calm that emotion down, give opinion, like like Jammer said, Malky will take his key points from our opinions, then he'll deliver it to the team. We'll maybe give little snippets once he's finished to individual players, little pointers of what we think and stuff like that. So it works. Well, we feel it works well. You know, me and Malky have both done the LMA licence, which is a management licence, which is not on the pitch stuff, that's the management behind the pitch stuff. Then we've done the pro licence and A licences. and We mix that with our knowledge, mix that with opinion, mix that with background from all the staff and kind of process it all through the best way we know how. And we've, I think we've found a way of working that kind of suits us, but I think it's fair to say we're always open for, you know, what's next or ways of making it better. And Sean, you mentioned that you're sort of having your, your outburst, I can't remember the word yet, but feedback to Malky during a game. So if you see something you don't think it's working, you'll say, yeah, I mean, the thing is that you know we agreed when when Malky asked me to do the job. I said, look, the, the one thing I'll definitely do it. I'll, I'd love to come back here, but I said, 
you've got to understand that I'll give you honesty all the time. You know, it won't be turned on and off sort of thing. And he was fine with that. And, and so I, I just give him it as I see it, you know, which is not, not always probably the best moment to do that. And I'm learning. But, you know, I, I just think that in my experience, if, if you surround yourself with people who constantly say, yes, you're not going to learn a lot, you're probably not going to change a lot. And I think, you know, one thing I've learned is being flexible and open-minded enough to, to think differently, take opinion and use it wisely. And, and you know, it's something that I've had to mould slightly, but I think Malky's been good with that. He, he likes opinion from all of us. We all give it to each other. And, we're, and sometimes it's very blunt. Sometimes it's dressed up a bit. It depends on the moment, you know. But if you're on the sideline and it needs to be quick information, you can't flannel it because yeah. it needs. It might be a decision that needs making there and then. So you're clearly not um, reading from the Phil Neal of. Uh... No. no. <laughs> but but it's always to be fair. No matter what the opinion, Malky always has the final say. He's the manager. What he says, and once that decision is made, we back that decision. Looking at the um, current crop of players. Are there any of those guys that they remind you of what you were like at their age? Well, I mean, the, the obvious one for me and Malky, I suppose, Martin Taylor, obviously, you know, I was yeah, more or less the same age. I think I came about 31. He, he's probably similar, he's not similar the way he is as a person, but he simply looks after himself, which I felt I did, you know, fitness-wise and his diet and stuff like that. He's a very good professional, very thorough professional. Um, they're the, probably the same traits as what I felt I had. Um, but as people, we're, we're quite quite different, considerably different um, personalities. I can probably relate to Scott when I was when I was his age playing at Colchester United. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, and he's playing at a far higher level than I was at that the same age. But personality-wise, probably you know I was fairly fairly quiet lad. You know, came from a, a you know not a footballing outpost, shall we say? It was kind of like. A, a bit of a back of the the sticks, the sticks, I think. Deliverance. Yes. <laughs> so it did take me a little while to um, find my voice and find my, uh, I suppose, belief in myself, really. Um, and you could argue that that's probably gone through Scott's development, you know. And I think once you play for England and uh, you know you've been in the full squad, I think that that certainly helps with your belief and your uh, your opinion about yourself um, and, and and I'm sure he's got a great future and you know I'm sure he'll go on and have a have a terrific career thank you very much that's brilliant oh, cheers guys brilliant. Thank thanks lads thanks so much for time fellas really no appreciate worries. it all. thanks lads enjoyed that email the boys podcast at from the rookery end.com so here we are outside Vicky's Road, post Watford Barnsley. Mike is um, gone. Uh, here to rush him. So John and uh, Jason still here. Jace, uh, one nil against yeah, Barnsley. Typical end of season fair, I think. We, <laughs> it was funny before the game. We were saying eh, it could be a dull end of season, sunny day, yeah. nil nil. You said early goal. You never know. And we got both, didn't we? I think yeah. we got the early goal, and that was it. <laughs> well, it was second half. Barnsley definitely came back at us, and they seemed to be the less knackered. I think so, teams. yeah. I was trying to think who my man of the match would be, and Loach, because he made mm. a couple of brilliant saves yes. in the second yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. He certainly uh, kept us in the game that little bit, a little bit more. Uh, so the mathematicians out there might think that there's still a chance of getting to the playoffs, and they would be correct, but uh, a little bit doubtful, I think. Yeah, I think we'd need to win all our games and hope that the uh, sort of four or five teams above us all have a dramatic bad run of form for us to get in there. But you never know, a, a win away from Leicester, and if the right results go away on Monday, and you think, hey, two games left. You never know. Yeah, you knows. never know. You, you, you 
could all play into our hands. Well, you know, hey, let's just look forward to next season. Season tickets are out, price up for the adults a little bit, but much lower for, for kids and, and, and definitely good for families, which is always a good thing for Watford. I, I think so, yeah. If you, if you have a young family, you want to bring them to uh, some games next season, then have a look at those prices. Well, he's, he's, he's not here, but uh, Mike did write a blog post on fromtherookyourend.com if you want to go and see his thoughts, which I think we will, we will uh, share the feeling, uh, fromtherookyourend.com for that. We'll be back. We will be back for the uh, end of season awards special. We have, it's, it's a momentous moment where Mike meets John Eustace. Finally, after all that time of him going on about it. We, we, you, could, you could feel the love in the room yeah. that day. We, we, we've had our chat with John uh, and you'll hear that in the next podcast as well as we'll have chats with, we won't tell you what awards they've won, but we have chats with Lee Hodson, Martin Taylor, Marvin Sordell and Danny Graham. Keep in touch. Uh, you can uh, read the blog, as I've said already. Uh, subscribe to the, the blog post at fromtherookeryend.com. Or you can send us an email with your thoughts. Uh, that's podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Uh, and anything, literally any thoughts, anything you've noticed, any, any input you want to put into the podcast, send us a, uh, an email. What's the email address then, Chase? It's podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. And of course, you can always follow us on our podcast page on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Rookery end. We're back for QPR next week, where we shall all be wearing vests. We shall, and, for, and so will you, hopefully. Well, yes. If you are you out there and you get it, make sure you, you grab yourself a vest um, and uh, write a little message on it and wear it next week for wear a vest for Danny Day. More information on that again on the blog from the rookeryend.com. It's been wonderful, Jason. It has, and uh, may uh, may it continue next year. See you at the end of season podcast. Come on, you on. Come on, you on.